Welcome to the MarTech Alliance Marketing and Technology Book Club. I'm the founder of the MarTech Alliance and your host, Carlos Doughty. In today's episode, I'm joined by VP of Marketing at Drift and co-author of the Book of the Month, Conversational Marketing. Dave Gohart, thanks very much for joining us. Hey, the Book of the Month. What, a, what an honor. Thank, thank you uh, for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here and, and uh, love books. So, hey, let's do it. Fantastic. Just before we get started, um, I was reading something really interesting the other day about you, about when you first went to join Drift, how uh, Elias, a CTO and co-founder of Drift, asked you, why are you a better marketer than me? And I was, I was really like intrigued and I didn't see the answer. And I was like, did you, did you hold back the answer from that interview? Can I get out of you? Yeah, I'm going to hold on, hold on. Just so I can remember, remember this moment, I'm going to take a picture because I'm going to send this to Elias later because I'm going to say, somebody finally asked me this question, which you asked me on the first day. So, so yeah, I, I walked into this interview and he asked me, why are you better at marketing than me? And I'm trying to think of like, if I remember my answer, I think, okay, so my answer was, um, I basically explained to him how uh, I had a little side project outside of work called Tech in Boston, which was a, which was a podcast that I did here in Boston where uh, in the US, which is like interviewing local CEOs and founders because all the podcasts I found out there, uh, you know, had nothing to do with Boston founders. And I, I love Boston. I'm proud to be from here. So I wanted to do that. So long story short, I launched this side project and and uh, I had probably three to 4,000 email subscribers. I was doing 60,000 downloads of the podcast and I was even selling sponsorships, you know, and, and, and having an, a nice little side income stream. And so, you know, I think what, what got him to believe me was I didn't just come in there and talk about what I would do and, and ideas. I got to say, hey, look, why am I a better marketer than you? <laughs> Because number one, you're CTO. You're not. He is actually good at marketing. I don't let him ever. Don't let him ever tell. Don't don't ever let anybody know that I said that. Um, but but I think I, I had a real example. I said, look, hey, I love this marketing stuff. I wanted to figure out if I could grow an audience on my own, and so I did. And so on nights and weekends, I launched a side project that now grew to. You know, I had a couple thousand. You know, ten thousand website visitors a month. I had three, four thousand people on my email list. The podcast was doing real downloads, and I, hey, I even learned, and I did that all from scratch. I learned how to build a website and grow a following and build an email list and grow a social media channel. Uh, at the time, the Tech in Boston Twitter account like outgrew my Twitter account, my personal one. And hey, I even I even was selling sponsorships, and so I learned how to sell. And I think when he learned that, he was like, "Oh, this this guy like knows how to." like put stuff together and, and I have no classical marketing training. I think well, I learned more in that two years of doing that as my side project than I have at any other job, you know, outside of drift. And so I think it was, I think it was that story, right. To show that I could, mm. I, I had the motivation to do something outside of work and I was able to figure all this stuff out on my own and, and literally build an audience of nobody knew who I was when I started that project to now, you know, I had, I had PR. It was ridiculous. I'm sure you have this. Like I had PR agencies pitching me. I'm just like a random you know, 26 year old guy working at a tech company in Boston. And I got PR agencies pitching me. I got people trying to sponsor the show. And so I think it was being able to take him through that, uh, you know, was, was one of the most, you know, successful was, was the reason why I convinced him other than saying, well, I listen to some podcasts and I read some books, you, you know, like, shift him, right. I mean, the, the reality is you'd been there, you'd done it. It was probably not taking anything away from your answer, but it's less about your answer, more about what you've done. Yeah, for sure. Right, let's jump into the book. Um, for anybody that's not familiar, would you mind just giving us a little bit of a quick summary of conversational marketing? Yeah, so 
conversational marketing is really well, the way we think about it at Drift. It's, it's, uh, it's a scalable way to have real conversations with your customers 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Because look, there's something that is just fundamentally broken about B2B marketing, which is the world that I'm in, right? And, and the, world that, that we, the world that we wrote this book for, which is that B2B marketing acts like nothing else that happens in your real life, okay? Like, <laughs> I, 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 got a co- I got my coffee this morning, and I got it at Starbucks, and I pulled up the mobile app on my phone, and I ordered it on my way into work, and I didn't wait in line. I walked right up to the m- mobile counter, and I grabbed it, and I went, Right. Uh, that, that experience is the same. That's the same way I buy things on Amazon. I buy, you know, 90 diapers for my daughter last night on Amazon in two clicks and they'll be here tomorrow. Uh, I order my lunch on my phone and I get it right now. I order a car, Uber or Lyft and I get it right now. So everything in our personal lives happens now, right? In real time. That's what we expect. But in the B2B marketing world, everything happens later. Hey, come to my website, fill out this form to get a demo of my software and we'll give you a demo later. Uh, hey, book a meeting with my sales team and you'll talk to them later. Oh, you want to get my ebook? Well, fill out this form and uh, give me your email address and we'll send it to you later. And so conversational marketing is really all about now because in today's world, customers have all of the power. The reason they have all the power is because information is free. Everybody has a podcast. Everybody has a blog. Everybody's doing video. Everybody's on social media. I can find out anything that I want to know about a product before I ever buy it. And there's so much data across. There was a study, I think a a couple years ago from Forrester. I I saw it from Forrester, from Boston Consulting Group, from Harvard Business Review. And they basically found that, they basically said that 75% of B2B purchases uh, purchasers have limited or no interaction with salespeople before they buy, right? Which is crazy because if you think about it, think about how most B2B websites work. You go to the website and you're not allowed to talk to anyone unless you fill out a form or do something first, right? Which is crazy because the people that are walking into your store, your website already know like 75% of the things they need to know before they buy. So conversational marketing is, is, is exactly about what it sounds, which is about having conversations with the people who are interested in your business. And fundamentally, like the belief that we have and why we wrote the book is that, look, a sale has never gotten made unless a conversation happens. And so the best thing you can do as a marketer or a salesperson in 2019 and beyond is have conversations. And conversational marketing is really the playbook on how to actually do that. Because whenever I tell this story, there's a million questions that come up. Well, how do how, do, how does that happen 24-7? Does my sales team have to sit on the website all day? Isn't this just live chat? And so we wrote the book to basically dispel all those myths and lay out a roadmap or a playbook for people to follow to implement and optimize conversational marketing on their website for their business. Yeah, I found the book fantastic. I found it incredibly practical. It's something that I can definitely recommend for our readers. Um, so, so one thing that comes out, obviously, from the adoption of conversational marketing, but beyond that, is that you guys clearly think what's the norm, let's do the opposite. Um, from your no forms movement to you know hyper growth event, not having traditional trade show booths. But how, how do you go about building that type of mindset internally? Because it's, you know, I think it's fascinating and I think it is exactly as you described that the minute you stop thinking it's B2B and we're different people, these things feel unbelievably obvious, but how do you get people to start thinking in that way and to remove themselves from, you know, the, the B2B norms? So I think for me, honestly, it starts with like being on the same page with the, with the CEO and, 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 and so David and Elias are the two founders of, of Drift and they fundamentally believe that from a marketing standpoint. And I think a lot of people that hear that advice, uh, they say, yeah, but 
how do you do that? Like my, I can't get my boss to like, to think that way. And then I hate to say it, but like, you have to quit your job. You have to go find a new job because your marketing is hard enough on its own. It's hard enough like to get somebody to come to your website and buy your product or do your thing, right? That you want them to do, which is the goal of marketing, right? But if you can't, so if on top of that, you can't even convince your boss or your CEO about, about doing marketing and, and thinking differently, right? That you're never going to have a chance. And so for me, like honestly, all of the success that, that we've had at, at Drift in marketing starts with having, not having to answer a lot of the like typical questions you'd get from a CEO. Like, well, what, everybody in our industry does trade show booths. Why wouldn't we do a trade show booth? And it's like, no, that's exactly why we shouldn't do one, right? And so, so it's actually funny because the, all the pressure that I get from David, our CEO, is actually to do everything differently. <laughs> and so, hey, hey, we're going to Saster this year. Great. What are we going to do that's not a trade show booth? Uh, and then I got to go and execute on that, right? And so, so it fundamentally starts at, at the core, which is like it's in, it's in our DNA as a company. And, and it's been how we've grown since day one. And so we, that has continued to, to pay off. I actually just did literally yesterday, we're, we're recording this on a Wednesday. I did a presentation on Tuesday in front of the whole, in front of the executive team at Drift. Uh, we, we, ch- we have to do like a monthly update and, and I had to share kind of what's going on on the brand side at Drift. And, and I said, uh, I shared a bunch of campaigns that we've been running. And, and my number one takeaway was, look, these are, these are working because number one, like we are real and authentic. And number two is we're doing things that nobody else in our industry is doing. And so my, my learning that I wanted to share back to the executive team was, we can't ever lose that. That is our secret sauce. And we have to like get that has to be in our DNA in product in sales in design in, in engineering in marketing and customer success, like, because it's working so well, and, and nobody else is doing that. So it's now just kind of become like, it's a core principle for, for our company, I guess you could say. And um, if, if, we, if we talk about conversational marketing beyond chatbots, because obviously a big focus of, of you guys naturally with the product of Drift, but also the book has been around chatbots. But if we open it up a little bit more and we start to sort of look at kind of the evolution of the space and what, what do you see that's going to come from, let's say, Facebook Messenger, Instagram DMs, Twitter, Slack, WhatsApp? What do you, what do you see happening in that space? Uh, I actually have no idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> And I think it doesn't matter. I actually, I think it doesn't matter because from a business standpoint, those channels don't matter. I think the thing that's changing is like, you need to be on all, you need to be everywhere. And so you need something that you need a, you need a layer where it doesn't matter if it's an Instagram DM or it's a Slack message or it's an email or it's a tweet. As a business, you, you have to be able to have conversations with your customers across all those channels because you know, there's not, there's not just two or three marketing channels anymore. Like I think a decade ago, 15 years ago, even right. Maybe just five years ago, there was literally like, you know, a couple ad, you know, there's Facebook ads, Google search, email marketing and social and social media is kind of still new in your website. Right. There, there are, I think of how many apps I use daily on my phone. There's 10, 15, 20, 30, 40. And so as a marketer today, you, you can't really optimize for one or two channels. You have to optimize for being everywhere that your customers are. So from a business standpoint, I think it means you have to understand how you can take one thing in marketing and, and you know, get it out across all of those channels. And I think you and I were talking before this interview about, about Gary Vee and his playbook. And I think, you know, 
he's he's the best he's the best role model at least I, that I've seen for somebody who gets that which is like mm -hmm. how do you take this one I think most marketers today would take this one interview that we're doing right now and post it and it's podcast with Dave from Drift right where the real playbook would be wow you have this on video and you have this on audio so that means you can basically do anything with it so this can be a 30 minute interview it can be 10 different clips for social media and by the way each one of those social media channels in order to actually have that be effective you can't just take the same clip that you would have posted on LinkedIn and take, take one clip and post it on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm talking about you're making a separate clip for Instagram. You're making a different one for Instagram stories. You're making a different format for LinkedIn, not just because the channel is different, but the audience is different. And a different clip for Twitter and YouTube clips and something for your email list. And maybe there's exclusive content at the end of it that you only share to your subscribers. And so that's one way that I think you have to start thinking as a marketer today is, you know, the days of just like, Oh, we're going to throw this up on the blog. And because, you know, of, of organic search, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are going to, are going to find this. Like there's just too much noise. You're competing against so many noisy channels today that you have to stack the deck. And the way you do that is by taking one piece of content and breaking it up across 15 different 20 channels that all kind of drive, then drive back to the same place. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think, um, it's it then just becomes the challenge of you know it's it's about as much about the quality of the content creation it is the curation and the chopping up and distribution one of the one of the other themes that just jumping back to the book one of the other themes that came out um was talking a lot about actually it's not about adopting conversational marketing and embracing new tech in a way that's in place of humans um it's about obviously trying to remove those inefficiencies that admin it's you know, it's not a case of you don't need your sales team. It's about facilitation and trying to move people along to that conversational uh, qualified lead. Um, all of that said, we, we all know just how fast the artificial intelligence space is moving. Um, I'm keen to kind of get your perspective on if we were to fast forward five or 10 years, if you've got a view of what, what you think the sales role may look like and how it may be different from today. And obviously specifically looking at what might be possible from a artificial intelligence conversational um, marketing perspective? Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing that's going to change and it's already starting to change is that sales reps and I love salespeople. Uh, sometimes I think I am one, so don't, don't get mad at me salespeople, but I think, and th th a lot of them, a lot of them do not agree with this take. So I'm just giving you my opinion. Right. Um, but I think the role is going to shift from, Hey, Carlos, let me make sure you have the budget authority needs, timing, buying process, blah, blah, blah. Like that, that world is going away because the way that people, the way that real, I don't know who those made up people that buy that way are, but the way that real people buy is nobody, nobody is buying today because they're like, wow, I was, that was a really great nurture sequence you put me in. Like you really nurtured me. And so I'm ready to buy. Like, that's not how people buy. They buy because they talk to each other. They do research on online and they show up and they're ready to buy. Like this is, this is the same as it is in our personal lives. My, my wife and I, a couple months ago, we bought a new car. I did not want to spend eight hours at a car dealership being sold to, being told this feature, that feature. So what did I do? I did what we all do, especially if you're listening to this podcast, right? I did all the research. My wife and I did all the research. We, we knew, we talked to people who already had this car. We talked to somebody who got the different model. We did all the research online. 
we knew we boiled down to these two different models. Really all we were going to debate on was like, how does this color actually look in person? And can we go for a test drive? And if that all works out, then I'm ready to sign today. Right. And so think about how the sales role changes in that world. It's almost like that guy's job, that guy made a heck of a commission and all he had to do was swipe my, was like, take my payment right now. He was great and he really knew his stuff. And so he was able to give me some, some advice and, and really help me. And I think the biggest thing is like, so, so there's two things in there. Number one is your buyers are going to have all the information. And so you have to change. If I, if I walked into that dealership, imagine this experience. If I walked in that dealership knowing that I was going to buy and I know I wanted that car, what if a sales rep got in my way? Right. Well, actually, before we let you, you got to come over here and we got to take you in this office and you got to go through all this stuff. Right. And then uh, why don't you come back tomorrow? Because you've now been proven that you're ready to buy. So like, that's how B2B marketing works, which is crazy. On top of that, trust is the number one most important thing, right? Maybe there's two number one things. Number one is like understanding that your buyers have all the information. And number two is trust. Number one A and number one B, right? And trust is so important because nobody wants to be sold to today right? But we all want help. I don't know a lot about cars. This is what I do for my job, marketing. I sit at a computer all day. I don't know a lot about cars. And so the fact that this guy could actually help me and I trusted him and he actually told me to spend less money. He said, Hey, you don't really need this car for what you want. Go use this model, right? It's the same thing. You ever, you know, when you go to a restaurant and you ask the waiter or waitress, so you say, Hey, what's good here? And they say everything. And you're like, bullshit. Not everything is good here. You're lying. But when they say to me, you know what, I don't really like the salmon here, but trust me, you got to get this. That's when I like really believe them. And so, so it's all about trust. And so this guy was able to build trust with me. And so the more you can build trust by showing that you really know your stuff, you're an expert and not forcing me to go through your way, right? I think that's, that's a lot of what the future of B2B selling is going to look like, right? It's, it's a very different mo motion than like, let me go and get you, drag you to my website, make you go through my process and then make you, you know, buy on my terms. It's all about what the customer wants. And if they show up right now and they're ready to buy, you have to be able to let them do it. And so the other thing, just touching on, on, I suppose that the education piece that happens before and the research, and then there's obviously the facilitation on the way. Um, it was, it was very interesting. Obviously you touched on quite a few different range of sales tech tools and how they can help facilitate and automate a lot of that process from whether it's lead scoring and piping and data appending, uh, through to meeting integrations. It helps obviously that customer experience be a lot more streamlined. Are there any other kind of new and innovative sort of pieces of tech that you're seeing popping up or, or even bits and pieces that are kind of in the, in the drift sort of roadmap? that you, you kind of see is a bit more around that sort of evolution of the sales part to, to make it even slicker and, and, and also just actually helping the sales process in terms of helping educate and give more background. Yeah. So we have, um, we have, a, we have like, we have a couple of big things that we're cooking up at drift. I, I can't talk about either of them. <laughs> uh, one of them is launching at, at Hypergrowth in, in London on, on June 10th. And, the other one is going to be, we're going to announce it in September at our Hypergrowth event here in Boston. And so I'll leave it up to you to, to guess kind of what those things are. Okay. Uh, we're, we're, in, we're going ourselves from the team here. We're going down. Bit. Okay. Yeah. So, so you'll see, you'll see, you'll see for sure. Uh, I think, I think like, look, I think you and I are talking over Zoom right now. I think video is an amazing, amazing channel for, for where, for where B2B sales and marketing is going because, you know, we talk so much about the, the power, the importance of being real and being authentic, right? 
video showing your face, mm-hmm. us, us having a conversation is, is this is the really the best next thing to us actually being in person, right? And so I don't, I don't know if you use this video for your podcast at all, but I've known that any podcast interview I do where the camera is on and I can see your face, it's a better conversation because we don't jump over each other. We know when we're going to. And so, you know, video and also just video plays on the whole idea that people are, most people are like visual learners. And so they're going to remember more, more of stuff over video. So I love video as a way to really disarm people in the sales process and the marketing process. Hey, this is me. Like we, we use, I'll give you an example. Um, we have something called drift insider, which is like a, a premium content subscription that we have at drift. And, it's $99 for the year. And when we launched it, we got a bunch of questions that people were like, why do I have to pay for your content? And so there's two ways we could have addressed that. We could have said, said on the landing page, like, here's why you should buy Drift Insider. Or I just made a video, like literally me, not even highly produced, me with my iPhone saying, hey, it's Dave from Drift. Look, I know what you're thinking right now. Why would I pay for your content? Well, I wanted to get on camera to explain that to you firsthand. No editing no BS. Here's why. And I just explained it and boom, we slapped that two minute iPhone video up on the website and that disarms people and lets them know this is real. So I love video for that reason. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot, there's a lot that's happening. We're, we're really getting better at understanding what our customers want by using, you know, tools to record, uh, and listen to sales calls, a, a company that we love, a product that we love at Drift is called Gong, uh, G O N G. And basically, you know, you can listen to sales calls, but uh, they process a lot of the data for you. So you can say, hey, how many times did the keyword, you know, bots come up on a call? Or how many times did people mention pricing? And so you can sort that way. Uh, and also there's a mobile app. So like as a marketer, you could go and listen to calls on your commute to get better uh, at helping the sales team sell. And so I think that that's a tool that's really interesting to me. But I think, you know, anything for us, like the way that we're thinking about things is like, it's not about bots. I think people see Drift today and they think bots there's actually, there's actually only one thing that we care about and that's conversations. And so I think everything that we do and build in the future is going to have that one thread of conversations. It's not about bots. It's not about email. It's not about social media. It's not about whatever. It's about conversations. And so we want to be that layer that powers conversations for the next wave of, of B2B buying and selling. Exciting. I'm intrigued. I'm looking forward to, um, I'm looking forward to the event. It'd be good to, to find out what's released, but yeah, I, I completely agree. I think video is fantastic. Um, um, the, the other, the other thing that sort of jumped out from the book t- for me, and it was literally a quote was being professional, but removing the professional voice. And I think obviously th- this sort of touches on pretty much everything you've talked about so far, but I think, um, it, it'd be good just to talk through a- anyone that's listening. That's kind of, let, let's say from a more corporate environment, a little bit more straight laced, a more kind of, um, straighty 180 uh, approach, <laughs> to how they sell what what would your sort of advice be and and because i appreciate your point earlier if you're in a company where they're not as forward thinking and potentially embrace change then you might want to you know look for new employment but equally there's a bit in between where it may be uh, a little bit of influence or a little bit of trying to help people think differently themselves yeah i mean i only know how to do things this way right but so i get that question that that's probably the number one objection and people say, Hey, I love your advice. I totally get it. Be conversational, you know, do things, blah, blah, blah. But, but look, we, Dave, we sell to the, we sell to really big businesses. We sell to the enterprise. It's very serious in the enterprise. And I say to them, okay, let me ask you a question though. Are, are you selling to people still or, or are they robots? And they're like people. I like, okay. 
And so all those people, and, and if I had to ask you do, you, do you think that person that you're selling to, do they, do you think they use Amazon? Yeah, they use Amazon. Do you think they go home and they watch Netflix? Yeah, okay. Do they have a, a, a smartphone? Do they have an iPhone? Yeah, they do. Okay, then I think you're going to find success using this strategy because I, I hate that objection because we are all people today. And especially if you're in this world, if you're lucky enough to be, to be in this world, like we all have champagne problems if we're in this technology industry. Like everybody has the internet. You know, that's a, I'm, that's a, a tr me trolling as a, as a way to a answer that, right? Which is like, we all are connected today. And so I think it's just showing, look, it's not about, it's about maybe doing something that your business has not done before, but it's about showing the people inside of your business, hold on, hold on. This is how we all communicate as people. Oh, okay, I could see that. But here's how we, like, I think the way I would pitch it is like, here's how, here's how we communicate as people. Here's how business, here's how our business communicates right now. Can you see the disconnect? <laughs> oh, okay, yes. Like, because I actually think that the number one skill that's lacking in most marketers today is empathy. It's understanding how the thing, what stuff do you, you know, the golden rule, right? Do to others as you want them to do to you. That doesn't apply for most marketers. We go and do things that we don't, we don't ever respond to. Hey, when was the last time you actually went to a webinar? Never. Okay, so then why are you thinking that your customers are going to go to a webinar, right? Hey, what, would you open that email that you just sent? No. Would you say, yes, I'll, I'll drop what I'm doing and book a demo, a call with you right now. Would you respond to that? No. Okay, so then why do you think your customers will? And I think that is like the, the, the thing that's lacking the most in the B2B world is just like this realization that like, hey, we as people do not react to any of these things. And so why do we think our customers will? And so you can, there's just, you don't have to start and try to do everything, but hey, maybe just change up, start by changing the tone in your email to be a little bit more informal and write like a real person. Don't write, tomorrow at 2 p.m. I'm hosting a webinar with Carlos from blah, 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 blah. No, you know, like here's how I would send that email. So I did this podcast the other day with this guy named Carlos and he was really interesting. And I thought, you know what would be interesting? What if we did a webinar together? So tomorrow I got him, it's two o'clock, we're gonna do, like that sounds way different. It's the same thing, but it sounds way different than the first one, I think. So, so the challenge is like, I want you to take, take the next email that you would send, take the next landing page and just read it out loud, right? If you could call up your friend, your spouse, your cousin, your mom, your dad, and you could read that out loud to them and not have them say, what? I don't know what any of those words mean, right? Just start there, right? You don't have to go crazy, but just start there and slowly start to integrate that into how you do business. I think that's fantastic advice. Um, I'm, I'm really chuckling as you say some of these things because they're literally some of the things we have debates internally about. So I, I'm 100% of your thinking, but I, I have a, my past, if you like. It sounds like I was in prison when I say that. Um, my, I, past. I, my past. Yes, my, my dark past. I, I had a stint on the corporate straight lace side. Um, and then I threw away the suit. I was like, I can't do this. Um, and it was good fun. It was great. But yes, there's something just so unnatural about the B2B world and webinars and, and white papers. Um, and I think, you know, so my, so my colleague Rachel, she joined us and she's 100% from a B2C world. And I, I kind of had to go, oh, no, no, that's how they do it in a B2B. And the response, that, that's gross. That's, why? Why? And it was, it's, it's really interesting to kind of to have that. If you've never been exposed to B2B, when you start describing it, it feels alien. Whereas if you've lived it, you've, you've, you can fall into the kind of the, the unconscious bias towards, well, that's what everyone else does. Especially today where like everyone inside of a B2B company is a buyer, right? There, there's 20 people on the marketing team. 
they all can make purchases. And so it's not like the days where there's like procurement and, and, and you have to go through this big process for everything. Some things you do, sure, depending on the price and, and what they're going to touch, right? If it's on a website, it's got to go through security and legal and all that stuff. But the, the days of like the, only the person that can buy is a CFO is, is over. And so, you know, you have to, you have to win by, by being a person first. And I think people are just more skeptical than ever as buyers, right? They don't trust companies. They don't trust marketing. They don't want to be sold to. And so you, the way to disarm them is to show that you're a real person. I think you're really missing out on a big opportunity if you don't, if you don't show that you're a person, not a business. There is no B2C. There is no B2B. It's all people that want to buy stuff. And, you know, we have just kind of bought, labeled them that way. And I think the, the other challenge is like our brains have all been rewired because we're all consumers now. And we all expect things to work like Amazon and Lyft and, and, and Slack and Zoom. And so when they don't, you're, you're again, you're, you're, you're adding friction in the buying process. Like why can't everything be as easy as getting on a Zoom call, right? Why? Uh, I had an amazing experience where I needed to buy some new glasses. And so I went to Warby Parker and it, it was amazing experience. They, they, they called my doctor for me. They got the prescription for me. They updated the order for me. They sent me an email to let me know that there was an issue. Hey, I just needed to take a picture and send them my receipt. And like that experience was amazing. And, and I don't understand with the investment, the technology, the, the, the team, the smarts that are in the B2B world, why can't B2B buying and the marketing sales process be as easy? And I, I think that's where people are going to start to lose business, where if you don't make it, the, the bet that we're making at Drift is like, if you don't make it easy to buy from your business, you're going to lose customers, plain and simple. I think it's really interesting you saying there is no B2B and B2C. Um, obviously, Marketo very recently, the CEO came out saying it's B2E. It's business to everyone that B2B and B2C is over. And I think... Um, seeing it play out with Adobe obviously making their 4.8 billion pound acquisition of Marketo and that integration and potentially what might come of, of those two, whether, whether it will just be one solution. But I think that thinking at that level, especially in the MarTech space to go, actually, it, are we that close to actually saying there is not going to be a B2B and B2C? If it happens at that level, then I think it's difficult for, for people to continue to ignore it. I agree. Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, hey, it was awesome. Thank you so much for fantastic. having me. Fantastic.